It's a good thing that song's only like two minutes long, because any longer and I would have started dancing. And you know, it's ugly when I dance. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know who said it, but I completely concur, totally. Jan, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. Jan has known me a long time, and she knows that I have a problem. I can't dance, and I can't stop, right? And that is not a good combination. It's just like I get that little Bill Cosby thing going and snapping and all that, and it just it gets ugly. Um, let's see. Oh, hi. I, I thought I'd read some um, headlines to you from newspapers all across the world in America. Um, let's see what we have here. Are the sexes changing places? No, no, it wasn't a question. I'm sorry. I, but, but Thank you. I, I love, it's like doing stand-up comedy, right? People just like, but that was the headline. Are the sexes changing places? Anyone guess when that was from? 1886. 1886. Um, are our women becoming masculine in their habits? Apparently, this is from a time when it was cool to, like, lead. The headlines had question marks, apparently. That's from 1910. Let's see here. Cardinal, I think that's not the bird. That's in the Catholic Church. Cardinal urges man to assert home authority. Women becoming masculine and men effeminate. That is from 1920. Let's see a couple more. Men becoming feminine. Using much makeup. 1922. Have y'all figured I'm going in backwards chronological order? Um, let's see. Here's one. Men are becoming effeminate. That is from 1925. Are men becoming feminine and are women to blame? 1932. Um, are you hearing a trend? Let's see. There's an advertisement about how eating raw meat will help you be more manly. That's from 1940. I don't know if it'll make you more manly, but and I don't like I don't like raw meat, but I do like meat. Can I get one of those from people? <laughs> and you don't have to be a man like me. You can like you can be a woman like me too. You just got to be like. <laughs> um, high rises. That's crazy. Like the actual structures. High rises help erode masculinity. That was the headline. High rises help erode masculinity. That was from 1977. Oh, my goodness gracious, y'all. Um, Southerners think that men are less manly and that women are less feminine than they used to be and that both of those things are not good. So says a poll taken at UNC Chapel Hill, 1997. And there's some more stuff from 2004, 2018, 2020. The point here is the family has always been under attack. So those of you that are, now we live today, yes? Like this is, our, make sure the person next to you is breathing. We live now. So the issues that we face now are very much current issues, right? You with me? So I'm not like minimizing what we're facing now, but I do want to make you aware that, and some of you are, you know, I told you the first, the first day we talked about family matters. The word, when you hear the word family, and now I'm a preacher preaching about men being like women and women being like men and all that kind of stuff, you've already put up a wall that says, oh, I know where this is headed because you're a white preacher, middle-aged. I'm going to hang on to the middle-aged while I can, right? Um, maybe you're middle class, whatever. 
You already think you know where this is headed. I'm not talking about gender today. I'm just letting you know that family is a key part of God's plan. And so it's always been under attack. Say always. All the way back to when Cain killed Abel. Family has always been under attack because it's a pivotal part of his plan. So think about History as we know it, right? Adam and Eve. It all starts with family. And it's going to end in Revelation at a marriage feast. Family. There was Adam who had Eve, and then there's going to be Jesus who has a bride. Turn to the manliest man in the room and say, you're a bride. (laughs) That's fun, isn't it? That's fun. Like, we don't know what to do with that. We don't, like, a... I'm not a bride. I like meat. Right? We're the bride of Christ. So family's always been a big deal, which is why it's always been under, under attack. It's just that when, in current, when we live in current issues, we are convinced family's never been attacked like it is today. Apparently, it has been all the way back to when they could start making headlines, and before that, they chiseled them in stone. Right? It's always been a deal. So I, we started this whole series because um, Galatians... 610 says that God is building the household of faith. So then, he says, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Say, do good to all. And especially to those who are of what Paul terms the household of the faith. So it sounds a little selfish, right? Do good to everybody, but especially do good to people who are in the household of faith. We're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit more about that especially part. But what I want you to see is that God is building a house of faith. The gathering is a house. It's a house full of family. And he's building something here. But we're also a part of a greater household of faith, which is the global church. And not just the global church that lives, lives in 2022, but the global church all the way back to when things began. All the way back to the day of Pentecost. When he started building that church, he, we're a part of that. We're a part of a much bigger family than the people that we see here. And y'all are an awesome family. Even the Carolina fans. I said, my team lost. Anyway, let's move on from there. Now, a couple statements. And while I'm telling telling these to you, just go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 4 and then a whole bunch of, of scriptures. The last couple days, my house has been a wreck because um, we, thank you, Jesus, we were able to pull out carpet that we have had for 23 years. I don't know how long carpet's supposed to last, two or three years, but 23 years. So they pulled it, and I didn't do this, like, we, we pulled all the flooring out, you know, they, they, they cut it, they roll it up, they take it up, pad and everything, they put it in a big pile outside in our driveway, and every time I would walk past that pile, I would smell it, right? If you've ever done this, you know, like, you can be, the, you, can, you think you're a clean person, right? And then you're smelling 23 years of God only knows what, right, is in that stuff, it's in the fabric, it's in the pad, and it's nasty. They got all of that out. 
Thank you, Jesus, all that came out of our house. As they brought all of it out, it had dust babies that went everywhere, right? And then they put in new flooring, and it's fantastic. And there's, we're living in dust purgatory now. Um, we're clean, we'll be cleaning until Jesus comes back. The flooring is, is fantastic, right? It's beautiful. It's new. It's clean. And this morning, I sat up, and I put my feet on that brand-new floor. And the first thing that went through my mind was, God, I missed that carpet. When they, when they slapped me upside the head, right? <laughs> it's like, I, and I thought, I missed the what? I missed that nasty carpet that I smelled outside my, I, I missed that? And I started asking God, like, what is wrong with me? How can I miss that old nasty carpet? I said, what you miss, Paul, is you miss the comfort that you were familiar with, Right? And, and we've, we've joked about how we've moved without moving because we had to box everything up. And now we have to figure out, like, where the boxes are that we put that stuff in. So, like, I think we're, we're wearing the one pair of clothes we found. Like, it's hard to find stuff. I, I, I almost showed up this morning with my slides on and my, my funky socks on. And I was, like, in the car, cranking up, went, oh, snap, I, I got to go get my, find my shoes, Right? The point here is, I don't just miss the comfort, I also miss the familiarity. Like, I knew where things were, and now I don't. And I say all of that to tell you this. There's a transition happening in the church today. In the church, right? Now, when I say church, I mean the global church, but we have to apply it here, right? Because this is where we are. There's something happening. There's a shift taking place. There's a transition taking place. There's a change that is happening and is coming. And here's the biggest part of the change for how it applies to us in America. He is a, he's opening our eyes to how individualistic we have made Christianity. And he's transitioning us back into a family attitude about the faith. I, I told Wendy... A little Bible reading tip for you, and then we'll jump into these scriptures. Um, I like life hacks. So here's a Bible reading hack. Especially the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, when you read a verse and it has the word you, since we're from the South, just translate that y'all. Because almost every time the word you is used in the Bible, it's, it's meant for a, it's y'all. So we sing songs about promises that have, like, he's for you. And we think, oh, God, is this is your personal song to me. You're for me. He's like, no, I'm for y'all. I'm for a group of people. I'm for a family of people. I'm building a household of faith, and I need you to be in that house. Right? Which is why right now we see a whole lot of people like, I don't, I don't need church. Full disclaimer, you're here, so I'm not talking about you, right? But I don't need church. I'll just figure it out. I'll just have a fire in my fire pit, and me and Jesus will hang out. He will love you there. He will grow you here, right? If my kids walk away, they're still my kids. I still love them. I, they're still a part of the family, but they can't. They have no, there's no growth there. He's not looking for people who are like, he loves me. Oh, how he loves He loves us. And me, I'm a part of that. The me is a part of the we, right? But it's a part. And so when we talk about family, I'm not talking about like, hey, if, you're, if your mom or your dad 
were toxic, if they abused you, if you were in a bad situation, we're sensitive to that. I'm not saying that God wants to do that again in the kingdom. What he wants to do is bring us back to a place where we, like, literally sit in a room like this. I mean, I wish y'all could be up here where I am because it's so beautiful to see the different faces. And I look at it and go, this, this is my family. Like, I didn't come to punch a one-hour church job card. I came to hang out with family. When our church didn't meet during the pandemic for whatever, like 20 weeks felt like forever, we missed our family. And that's why family matters. In the kingdom, family matters. So that first week, we talked about this, a really long introduction. The first week, we talked about, are you in the family? We talked about eternity. We talked about that thin veil, right? I mean, this week, I thought about it again. Like, it feels like we always bump up against that veil between us and, and eternity. We, we think it's a huge, thick brick wall, but like Cecil pointed out, I feel like the longer that we're on, on the earth, the, the thinner it gets, right? Like we're always pushing up against eternity, and he wants us to think about that and ask ourselves, are we in the family? Have I trusted Jesus and what he did on the cross for my salvation? And, in, and in, am I, not am I saved, but am I saved in the family? Like, do I wake up in the morning and think about my brothers and sisters here? And then like, next week we'll hear from Koshi and all across the world. Am I, am I in the family? And th- this morning I want to say this to you. Here's family makes the investment. I mentioned this last week. Some of you, if you were here last week, you heard like me do that little mini preach because I didn't get to preach this last week. But do you remember how much I said each kid costs in your family? Does anybody remember that? Yeah, you remember $300,000. If you have, don't get pregnant right now, <laughs> but if you have a baby today, 2022, you will spend $300,000 on that child before they turn 18. We got big families in, our, in this church, right? Some of y'all are like, I got four kids. I'm a millionaire, right? Well, that, you're going to pay a million, point two, but... <laughs> Like, but the point here is, like, it, it costs to have family. It's an investment. It's also messy. It's hard. Sometimes, um, I hope parents are okay with this, sometimes don't we wonder, like, where's the return on that? Right? Hang on, it's coming. Right? It's coming. Patting a little harder. Like, I'm holding you close, man. $300,000, Right? But do you see how when we know how much something costs, we begin to understand the value of that? Family makes the investment. And I mentioned this last week. When we see our children, we don't see dollar signs. I hope you don't see dollar signs. I hope you don't have a running total in your head of, oh, well, this was an expensive week. They wrecked the car. and they, God, they tore down the curtains by accident because they were dancing in their room. And it came down, and they drew on the wall. Oh, i got to repaint that. Lowe's is expensive right now. And, oh, you're pregnant? Oh, my gosh. we got to add on to the house and lumber is through the roof. Like, if you're doing that, like, you're killing your family, right? And so here's your big idea. Until we see the value, we will only see the cost. Until we see the value, we will only see the cost. And so if we start counting the cost and all we see is dollar signs and expense and I don't make enough and I'll never make enough and you're costing me this much money, if all we see, that's not family. That's a business. 
And when businesses get to that point, they usually declare bankruptcy and shut the doors. God doesn't want you to shut the door on your family. He wants you to see the value of your family. Are you with me? So let me just establish, first of all, that value is the concept in the Bible. And that's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here's what Paul writes. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, how much encouragement? Any at all. Have you ever been encouraged in Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Some of you are sad Christians. I'm praying for you. Okay. If you've ever had any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've had any comfort from his love, have you ever felt comforted by his love? Anybody? Yeah, okay. If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, have you ever seen somebody hurting and your heart was moved to them? Yes? Then you've had some, any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete, which means we're still lacking something. Are you with me? Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Quick translation, what that does not mean is make my joy complete by looking the same, voting the same, thinking the same, right? Listening to Caleb. Although Caleb's great, I'm just saying, there's room for variety of opinion. He says be like-minded. It means that we have the same mind, which is the mind of Christ, right? Having the same love, which is the agape love of Christ, you're with me. See, all this comes from him, being one in the spirit and of one mind. Do nothing. How much? Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, and here's the phrase you want to underline, in humility, value others above yourselves. And that word value, man, it jumped out at me because value is, it's a statement about investment, and sometimes we feel, we feel bad about that, especially, like, the younger generation. I feel your pain because it's hard. Like, literally, there have been studies done that say that, like, from millennials and Gen Z down, like, what, what, what they, they might have an opinion about right or wrong, but what they don't like is the feeling they feel when they say somebody's wrong, right? Like, it hurts them to say, well, I, I think that's wrong, but I'm not going to tell them because it'll make me feel bad, make them feel bad. They don't know what to do with that. So even a value statement of saying this is better than that can feel kind of like, Ugh. oh, so you're saying you made the better choice. Yes, <laughs> right? But it feels, Ugh. but the Bible's clear about values. The Bible's clear that some things are more valuable than others. So here, I'm just going to, can I just like shotgun you a bunch of verses? I'm going to anyway, so it's good that you're on board. Here we go. Uh, Matthew 10, 31. Just jot these down. You can look, look them up later. I'll read them to you. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God loves you more than a bird. Come on, y'all. If you don't get anything else out of this, like if you don't have feathers, he loves you more. That's a good thing. 1 Timothy 4, 8. For while bodily training is of some value. Let me see all the hands of the people that work out on a regular basis. Good job, y'all. He says it's of some value. Godliness is of value in every way. So he, he said, work out. Do Zumba. Can I get an amen? But as you do that, if you only choose to look good on the outside, you have made a lesser value choice. Right? Choose godliness over that. I would just add, be godly and healthy. That way you'll live long enough to tell a whole bunch of people. Right? Acts 20, 35. 
Acts 20, 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus made a value statement. You with me? I'm just showing you that value is in the Bible. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your love free from, keep your life free from the love of money. Just making sure you understand this. It's okay to have money. He didn't say keep your life free from money. Right, but from the love of it, and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you see on that one, that one verse, what he said was, my presence is greater than my presence. I think I need to spell that. You know what I'm saying? P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. I did it. My presence, I will always be with you. So don't worry about the love of money. Like, I'll provide, but my presence is of more value. Matthew 13, 44. Y'all good so far? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Why? Because the treasure he found was of more value than all that he had already found. Philippians 3, 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. If you were an encounter, you know that that means the anointed Jesus. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul said, Jesus, everything, Jesus is more valuable. Proverbs 31.10, for all the married men in the room, I hope this is something you would say was true. An excellent wife who can find, she is more, more precious than jewels. Wow. We'll be planning our marriage conference soon. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I know I caught you off guard, man. But what I mean is interpret the Bible. What he said was a good wife is way more valuable than jewels. Right? Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We'll come back to that as well. So the point here is there's value statements in the Bible. There are value statements in the Bible. So it's okay when I say like family makes the investment, it's because family is valuable. And it costs us to invest in something that's valuable. But until we see the value, we will only see the cost. When I was I didn't, middle school, my, my parents took me to the orthodontist. How many of y'all wore braces? Oh, it was the worst. It was the worst seven years of my life. How long did you wear braces? Yeah, like two years. Seven, y'all. I wore braces for seven years. You're like, man, you had some jacked up teeth. <laughs> no, I didn't honor my mom and dad's investment. Because now, I think braces might be different now. There's probably a lot. I mean, back when I got them, like, they went around your whole tooth. And they had this thing that they would, like, pull down, and it would, like, knock it up into your tooth. And it was like they were hitting you with a hammer every day. It was awful. Awful. And so, but you had to wear rubber bands, the bands, you know. Like, did y'all, y'all, I didn't wear the bands. Little tip here, y'all. Braces don't work without those. <laughs> They had to take my front braces off so I could get my senior picture taken, and then they put them back on after the picture. 
Seven years. Parents, are you feeling my parents' pain? They paid for seven years for braces that I didn't value enough to actually allow to work on my teeth. I think sometimes we waste an investment when it comes to family. Now, I don't, I don't want to get into your family, personal family's business, so I'll let the Holy Spirit work there about whether or not you're wasting your investment. If you have small children, if you have any children, and you're not pouring time and energy and love and money, right? We're feeling it, right? Every time we do things for our children, we are investing. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with it. We never quite know that. But I know that God said he would honor that investment because he said if you raise them up in the way that they should go, when they're old, they will not depart. Sometimes they have to get old before they come back and not depart, right? But he said he will honor that investment. I'm just saying, parents, I get, I get it, right? We were back in early morning prayer, and I was just watching, you know, Anya hanging out with Judah. And I just, I mean, that, it's, it's, it's work, like it doesn't mean we don't love our children, but parents of small children, we as a church honor the investment that you're making. Next week when we have a family service, and some of you heard me say that earlier, you're like, I ain't coming. <laughs> we had twin boys, and we had Sydney. When we just had the twins, like, it was hard for Wendy. I mean, I was the pastor who was like, I got to go to church, so I drove early. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't love her. It was just I had to be there early, and she was not going to get there early. And it was like, if I could get up to help carry the, the kids with the car, the car it, was, it was just a deal. We get it. But what I'm telling you is, like, next week, when you come with your family, and when you allow your children to make some noise that we're okay with, but I know drives parents crazy too, you're making an investment. You're saying to your children, it matters to me that you hear what this man from India has to say. Right? It's an investment, but we recognize it's a costly one. And I just want to encourage you this morning that if until you see the value of that, you will only see the cost. And, man, what you're investing in is so valuable. What the father is investing in the family, he sees value in the family. And if he sees value in this, we need to see value in this as well. Right? So, like when Karina sings in Spanish, and I'm like, I wish I could speak in Spanish, right? I want that. It, I don't. I I want to honor that, right? I I want to pastor a church that you love seventy percent of, because the other thirty you're like, I don't like that song. Well, good, but somebody else here did, and we value them as much as we value you. And if you're going to complain about the songs, we might value them more. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We would, ne we would never, ever, ever do that, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like the, the more God brings the Jew and the Gentile together, there's a little bit of a rub right there. And if you go back and look at all of our past messages over the last two or three years, that's the common theme. It's like this is messy in the middle. It's hard to figure out in the middle. Even in the Bible, they would have meetings like, do we make them get circumcised? Can they still eat meat? Like, they had to figure it out. What do we do with these people that aren't like us? But we know from Ephesians chapter 2 that Jesus came to demolish the wall that separates. 
so that cultures could come together. We just read that like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you got rid of the wall, so it's going to be really easy. <laughs> no, no, it's like me putting my feet on the carpet, going, on the floor going, I miss that nasty, skanky, smelly carpet. We miss what we're familiar with, and so we're familiar with a wall, with culture here and culture there, and y'all do your thing, and we'll do our thing. We might even cut a window in the wall so we can peek in every now and then and say, well, I like the way they do that, but we would never do it that way. But it's comfortable being divided because then we have something to talk about, the people on the other side of the wall. But Jesus is like, no, because I'm building a family. And whether they like it or not, that's my family. So, like, come on, moms and dads. You've got kids that have fought with each other. Remember sitting them down and saying, now, tell each other you're sorry. Sorry. What? Sorry. Good. Hug each other. Right? Like, parents bring kids together. We're in a season of our lives now, like, don't freak out, but, like, we're saying things to our kids, like, we're not going to be here forever. And when we're not here, we want to know you're going to like each other. Like, you're still going to call and text because we're the ones that are checking up on you, and we're cool with it because it's kind of what parents do, but, like, we want to make sure y'all will do that when we're gone. Parents get the kids together, and parents know it's going to be hard. And why would parents put themselves through that kind of craziness? Because the investment is worth it. It's worth it. And here's the father, the father, who is investing in family. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 6.20. You were bought at a price. He invested in you and y'all. Right? Everybody say, he invested in us. Y'all okay with that? I know we do coffee mugs like... Jesus loves me, but he invested in us. Y'all were bought at a price. Now, how many of you have um, investments in your house? I don't mean like the investments you can't see, like stock market, which nobody wants to talk about that now anyway, right? But like how many of you have ever bought something like a valuable piece of furniture or a valuable piece of pottery or painting or whatever? I mean, anybody? Yeah, when you, when you got it home, did you play catch with it? We don't do that with what's valuable. We, we also don't take all the money that we spent on that valuable piece and buy junk with it, right? I mean, not knowingly. I mean, maybe some of you have bought a car before and you got it home and it was like a lemon. You're like, man, I spent a lot of money on this piece of junk. But when you bought it, you didn't know it was junk, right? We only spend money, a lot of money, on what we think is valuable. And we just read 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, you were bought at a price. Now, keep that in your mind and listen to Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. He paid the investment price for junk, the way the world would see it. Now, I didn't bring it with me, so don't be disappointed. Just picture it in your head. If I pulled out a $100 bill right now and I watered it up really good and tight, would you still take it? Yeah. What if I spit on it? 
What if I threw it on the ground in the mud and just, like, did that a lot? What if I tore it just a little bit, but you could still tape it back like people do with $1 bills? Why would you, why would you still take it after all that? Because it still has value. He paid the price of the investment for y'all and y'all and me, us, when we were his enemy. Because he knew what we were made for, right? He knew the value of the investment. So Jesus did not hang on the cross and grumble. I'm so glad. He was not a cross complainer, right? Stupid kids. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he meant it. He didn't mean, Father, forgive them for being stupid, for not seeing me for who I am. He said, they don't, they don't know what they're doing, God. You were right by sending me here. They have no idea. But God, open their eyes. I mean, from this place of pain, he looks out and says, woman, take care of your son. Son, take care of your woman. He saw us. He didn't complain. How many, times, how many times are you going to run out of gas and call me in the middle of the night and I have to get my pajama pants off, put my jeans on to come rescue you? He doesn't do that. All the things that we are tempted to do as parents, he didn't do. And we actually deserved for him to do it. The Bible says that we were sinners, but the Bible also says later in Romans 5 that we were his enemy. And he died for us then. He, you, are, you are the ultimate yard sale find. You, you watch Antique Roadshow? Do y'all watch that? Wendy watches it because she loves it when somebody goes like, I, I found this out back in a yard sale and paid $3. And, well, it's worth $3 million. I watch it when people are like, they come in thinking it's going to be all that. They paid like, how much, they go, how much did you pay for this? Well, I paid like, you know, $500. And then the guy's like, ooh. I watched Roadshow for that moment, right? Well, it's worth, eh, in auction, $20. But she loves it when, like, somebody just finds this painting and it's like, well, did you know on the backside of the painting is the Declaration of Independence? Wow. That's great. I'm like, sell it, right? That's you. That's you and me. He paid for us at the cross, and people were like, you're paying that for what? Are you kidding? They are, I want to say skanky, but I don't know if that's the right word, but like they are trash. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? They are trash. They are messed up. And not only are they messed up, but they're never going to do what you want them to do. They're always going to want to be divided. They're always going to be in their house. They're going to get offended when they go to church, and they're going to find another church, and they're going to hop to that one, into that one, into that one. They're never going to do what you wanted. And what you want, I know you want a family. I know you want that, but they are dysfunctional. And you're going to pay the price of your son's blood to buy that and it's because Jesus knew. He knew that someday there was going to be this, like, eternal road show. And they were going to peek at the back and go, 
wow, that front's kind of yucky, but have you seen this family of God? Like when you tore down that wall, I didn't know if it was going to work out, but holy cow, Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says every nation, tribe, and tongue, not only are they together, but they're singing the same song. What? It worked out. It's just here in the middle. Sometimes we're not sure, right? Sometimes we look at each other and like, I'm not sure if it's worth the investment. Listen, I've got so many things that I could share with you about family. I don't have time to do it today, but and I can't do one of these for every ser- a sermon on every one of these, but like just think about things that family does. Family celebrates. Family protects. Family contributes. Family believes. Family stays. Family shows up. Family changes. Family fights. We'll do that one the week after Koshi. We'll let Koshi come in here and, like, make it all good. And I'll come the next week. We'll talk about how family fights. But you know what family fights? They fight with each other, and they fight for each other. That's the first week in November. You should come to that one. Family grows. Family plays. Family multiplies. Because if family doesn't multiply, family dies. Family communicates. Think about this. Family leaves. There's an appointed time for family to leave. Even Peter said that at In 1 Peter, he's like, look, I'm writing this to you so that on my departure, you'll always remember these things. If you're raising your children, you're praying to God every day that they don't turn 35 and still live at your house. You want them to be ready to leave. And so when we know that's coming, we prepare for it. All of this takes investment. And all I want you to know this morning is that Jesus saw the value, which is why he paid the cost. And if we don't see the value, all we'll ever see is the cost. And some of you, as we close this out, and I'm I'm just going to pray over all of us, but here's the people specifically that I want to pray for. We did a series a while back called Filters, and we talked about how, like, filters change the way we see what we see. It doesn't change what we're looking at because it's the same, but it changes how we perceive it. And, y'all, the filters that we have about ourselves, they change how we see ourselves. Like, I've said a bunch of times that you're valuable. And if you have a filter, maybe given to you by your mom, by your dad, by somebody, if you have a filter that says you're not valuable, then every time I say you're valuable, what you've heard is everybody in the room but me. And so when I tell you that Jesus paid the price for you because he valued you, if there's a little bit of a barrier there, like, I'm not sure I can buy that. But it doesn't change the fact that he paid a high price because he did value you. I want you to begin to see yourself the way he does. The Bible says a lot about seeing ourselves accurately. Even that verse we read at the beginning in Philippians, it says to Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In other words, because I see myself correctly as valuable, I also see you correctly, and you're valuable. And so I can can learn something from you. 
probably good food, right? I can learn something. I, I want as many cultures in this place as possible because I want to learn from as many cultures as possible. Because when I get to heaven, I'm not looking for the white American room. And I want to be comfortable in that big room with all the people. I want to say, oh, oh I, 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 know your, I know your culture. I, I love your food, right? I love the way you sing. I love the way you beat the drums. I love what you bring to the table. I don't want to get to heaven and have a bunch of introductions. I want to get there already knowing those people. Like, let's value every, uh, every else above ourselves. And when we do that, we learn from one another. But it just, count, it just costs us something to do that. And I want to challenge you this morning to make that investment. To make the investment into the family of God. Way more than money, right? We always think of money when, with investments. But time, energy, the way we serve, the people that we call during the week. Like today, when you're out in the lobby eating and you say to somebody, hey, I'll call you this week. Like, actually do it. That's the cost, right? It doesn't cost anything to tell them you will call. Just call them. Like, make that investment because God values the family. Now, back to those crazy headlines that I read at the beginning. If we could live for the next 100, 200, 300 years, then Jesus doesn't come back. The headlines that we're reading today, somebody's going to stand up on a platform or hover, however they do it then, and they will read from a teleprompter script thing that's like invisible. They will read headlines from 2022. And people will be like, seriously? They were struggling with that back then? Family's always going to be under attack. But it's also always going to be protected by the Father. Right? Can I get some amens from the dads in the room? Maybe the moms in the room as well. Like, hey, look, I love you with Jesus, and I will cook you, make you cookies and give you some sweet tea, but you come in my house at night and I don't know who you are, I'm going to hit you with a baseball bat. Right? Like, that's the way it's going to go down. Like, that's my kid. You're going to mess with my kid. Right? So, like, yeah, the enemy's always going to attack family, but I'm telling you, the Father is protecting us. And I want to pray that over us this morning. Come on, let's stand up together. Look at the person next to you. Do they look a little different to you right now? They should look, they should shine a little bit more like gold, right? They should look a little more valuable to you. <laughs> if not, I have to preach the whole thing over. So don't they look different right now? Yes, yes. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rocky Top, right? Like I could preach for three hours today and all the Tennessee fans were like, do it. Just, I'm such a good place. Family matters. Family matters. If you're with your family, just grab their hand right now. I'm not trying to make anybody feel alone. I'm saying, if you, are you just if you know the person next to you, that's what I want everybody to hold hands. But I want to make strangers hold hands. But like, hold hands with people if you know them, because family matters. All right, family matters. Father, God, I thank you that you saw in us something that we did not even see in ourselves. And if I'm being honest. You see in others something that I still sometimes don't see in them. But I'm not you. I don't get to make that call because I'm not the one with the money that's buying it. You paid for us at a high price. And, and I pray over our church family that the other half of that 
verse from 1 Corinthians 6 would be true of our lives. You said that we've been bought at a high price. We were inve- you invested in us as a family, and you said, therefore, because of your value, honor me with your body. You call us to a different type of a lifestyle because we've been bought with such a high price. And so, God, the hand that we're holding right now, we pray for them. We pray that they would see the value that they hold in your eyes. And we pray for ourselves that we would see the value that they hold in our family. Because you're doing something beautiful at the gathering. And we're all a part of it, and none of us want to take it for granted. And we recognize that it's uncomfortable, and it's messy, and it's not always the easiest, but, man, is it worth it to see people who don't look like us love you as much as we do. And I pray, God, that you would protect this at all costs and give us a heart to fight for one another as well. Because this is worth fighting for. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.